Tom, are you okay? I lost her. Her? She was going to be this epic, trilogy-worthy character. I was going to be the hottest writer in Hollywood. But I can't get past Act 1! You need some writer's group therapy. Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I am Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. And if you like this episode, make sure you share it with your friends. Hit that like button. Subscribe. You can find us online at writersgrouptherapy.com. Also on Twitter and Instagram at WG Therapy individually. I'm Tom underscore Loveman on Twitter and Tom Loveman on Instagram. And I am at Roshni Lumino on Twitter and Instagram. Today we have Miralee Farrell with us. She is a publisher. Full disclosure, I actually work for her. Um, I'm doing a couple audiobooks for some of her authors right now, and that is how we met. She is an award-winning, best-selling author of 26 novels. Her most recent novel aired this year, actually, on the Hallmark Channel. She's got another novel that's going to be made into a movie on the Hallmark Channel. And she owns and operates a traditional publishing house called Mountain Brook, Inc., which specializes in debut authors. So, Miralee, welcome. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yay. And it's so nice to, like, meet you virtually. Yes. (laughs) That's always fun. (laughs) Right? So, I mean, I guess, give us the short version of how you got where you are. Oh, as far as writing or publishing or both? Uh, As far as writing and then going into publishing. Well, the writing started in actually after I, I will give you a hint of of age here. After I turned 50, I had actually no desire to ever write, never planned on it, never dreamed about it. Uh, I actually just was a prolific reader, devoured Christian fiction, but I had not ever had any uh, desire to write Christian fiction. But I was at a um, special service, church service, where there was a guest speaker that I really trusted and had sat under his, his ministry off and on over the years. And at the end of the service, he asked if anyone wanted to come up for prayer for anything. And I did. Uh, nothing real special, just went up and just wanted to have some prayer time. And he was going down and just praying with different people. And he stopped at me after he'd been praying for me for just a little bit. And he said, I really sense that the Lord is calling you to write. And I don't know what it is. And I don't know if it's fiction or nonfiction or poetry or newspaper articles or anything else. But I really believe you're not only supposed to start writing, it needs to be published. And so he said, I would just suggest that you pray about this. And I said, okay, I will. And I did. And I talked to my husband, my pastor, and my mom. And all of them said, "Um, well, what could it hurt? <laughs> you know, and if the Lord is in it, then it will it will go somewhere. And if not, then you're gonna know. So I I kind of bounced from one thing to another within a short amount of time, within two or three months, I had two or three magazine articles published, had no idea what I was doing. Um, but just kind of started writing stuff and sending it out, short stories based upon true life things in our life. And uh, that those got picked up. And then I was talking to a lady that I knew and she said, you know, Christian fiction is really hot. You should write that and should write a novel. And I said, I don't have a creative brain cell in my head. I don't think I could do anything fiction. So far, I've just been doing short stories based on true life. And she said, but you're turning that into a story. Find something in your life that you might be able to turn into a novel. I thought about it, I prayed about it, and it was just like this huge 
you know, light came on and I knew this was what I was supposed to write. And it ended up being titled The Other Daughter. It was my first novel. And it's about a a girl who is uh, in the book. She's 13, 13 or 14 years old, that her mom dies of cancer and she ends up on her bio dad's doorstep and she's never met her dad. And he doesn't know she exists because it was a one night stand before he came to the Lord and um, the mom got pregnant and ended up moving out of state and she didn't know, he didn't know about her. So this is actually loosely based on an event in our lives. And we had at, when she was 18, a young woman write to us and say, I think you're my dad to my husband. And that was a little bit of a shock. Oh, yeah, wow. A little, little bit of a shock. <laughs> and actually, it was a bit of a shock to both of us because same type of thing, same circumstances before he got saved, one night stand, uh, ended up, um, you know, she, the mom moved out of the, completely out of the area, several states away. And so turns out this girl was his daughter. And in the book, she's much younger and moves in with them. And it's not really the girl's story. It is the mom and dad's story and the impact it makes on their marriage, on their trust level, on their children. And that went on. I, I wrote that once I started writing that. Um, now it takes me, you know, with all the interruptions that I have in my life, four to six months to write a book. I can I can crank it out in three or four if I need to, but it just doesn't happen like that anymore. That particular book, I did the rough draft in five weeks. And yeah, (laughs) and that's impressive. And with, let's see, that was in 2005. It, when I started, it was in the fall of 2005, I think. And the Lord just opened one door after another, after another, I ended up at a local writers conference. I hadn't even known such things existed. And I, I was talking to um, acquisitions editor at breakfast, had no idea that I was pitching it. Uh, But she was asking questions and she called her lead editor um, back east and came to me the next day and said, he wants to see this. Can you send him the full? And I'm like, oh, sure. (laughs) And a year later, it was published. So the Lord brought me an agent, opened door after door. That was the book that was supposed to be published. That is the book that I've gotten more letters about than any other that's touched more lives, that's impacted lives. and. So probably, I don't know, 15 books later or so, I was writing for David C. Cook, and this is where the publishing journey starts. I was writing for David C. Mm -hmm. Cook, had a um, three-book series with them with historical romance, and then I I ended up switching from the contemporary to historical and making it historical romance, a lot of Old West-type feel. But I also had a four-book contract for kids' middle grade books, horse books, girls, really, you know aimed at nine to 13 year old girls. And they had planned on renewing that, doing another four books. They were going to do another series with me on the historical romance. I loved working for David C. Cook, loved them, loved the people, loved what they were doing. And then they closed their fiction line. A lot of people during that time period started, uh, sales were going down and things were changing in the industry and they closed their fiction line. So I took a six month hiatus and told my agent, I just need time to think and pray and decide what I'm going to do. And in the meantime, I asked Cook if I could put out a single title that went with that historical romance set. 
because I wanted to wrap up one of the characters. And they said, certainly do it, you know, Andy, if you want to. So I did. And I came up with the book, Mountain, the name Mountain Brook Ink, and it's I-N-K, like a, a flowing brook of ink. Uh, and went through the learning process of putting it on, on Amazon. And one day my brother sent me an email and he said, how did your book that's independent end up on christianbook.com? And I said, oh, it's not. I, I didn't ever put it there. And he said, well, yes, it is. <laughs> so I looked and sure enough, it was there. And I, I called them. Nice. Yeah. And I called them and said, gee, my book is on your website. Um, how did it end up getting there? And they said, well, because you have the other three books in this series with David C. Cook, and they've sold quite well for us. So we saw that you put one out uh, that was in the same series. And so we picked it up through and they did it through Amazon. Of course, since then, I've discovered all the other routes that you need to go so that they work with you. And he said, um, I, we don't have a, a relationship, working relationship with Mountain Brook Inc. But if you want to talk to your publisher <laughs> about working with us for other titles in the future, we'd like to see a catalog with a minimum of 10 books. And we can decide if we want to carry any of their other titles. And I was like, oh, 10 books, 10 books. How fast could I write 10 books? No, probably can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a couple of friends who had actually just lost their contracts where their fiction lines had closed. And I was talking to them oh. about what I was doing. And a couple of them were like, wow, well, would you want to publish my book? And first my thought was, oh, I'll just give them one of my ISBN numbers because I bought a few and, and uh, put it under my Mountain Brook Inc. But then word started spreading. And within a year, I had five or six titles out under that title. And I was thinking, wow, I only need three or four more to, to, to start hitting CBD. <laughs> and, um, and so within another year, I had agents contacting me. And within another year, I was going to conferences as an acquisitions editor. And it's been seven years now. And we have 85 titles, I think. And probably... Mm -hmm. 40 of those are now in audio and others in the works. And we've had a number of award-winning authors um, that one ended up finaling in the Carol Awards and one in the Christie Awards. In fact, the one that you're working on for Linda Thompson, her, her first book, that book was a, a double Carol and Christie Award finalist. So we've had a lot of, a oh, lot wow. of success. Um, we have had a number of agents that we work with on a regular basis now that send us their work. And we just opened a brand new, a year ago, speculative fiction line where we're taking fantasy. We're, we're taking a huge risk here because it's, it's not selling in the Christian market, but I love it. And I believe in it, as you know, with Heather Fitzgerald's book. Um, and so we started that and we also started a contest called the Fire Award for spec fiction and that contest the entries open uh, June 10th or January January 10th so that's my journey I'm sorry I took so long but that's oh no that's, that's amazing the, that's the, that is amazing that's the author to publisher journey that I've been on with um, 26 of my own books plus the movies thrown in there oh, and that's, that's, yeah, yeah you've been I've busy, been, busy. <laughs> yeah do you have time to keep writing that's it's been really tough. Um, I have my seventh kids book and I've got moms and kids emailing me through my website and saying, 
when is the next book coming out? And I made the mistake of telling them I was willing to write one more. And now I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting inundated. Is it going to be out by Christmas? We wanted to buy it for a Christmas gift for our daughter. And I'm so, I said, I'm so sorry. I had to write, I had to write the book for the movie first. I, I just, I, I've had two different ones that have aired now, one on Up TV and one on Hallmark. And the third one will be Hallmark next spring. They've already both been shot, but I had to, one of those, the book was already written and they, they made the movie from that book. The other two was a collaborative effort where I wrote the book along with the movie, along with the script. Um, I didn't write the script, but I wrote the book from the script and added a whole lot more to it besides that to flush it out. And so I had to get those done before I wrote the kids book. And I've got a I, I'm a third of the way through writing that book, but I'm also an editor for our company and I edit an average of 10 to 12 books a year, not counting an occasional proofread on top of that. So, and then just keeping everything running and keeping my finger in every single pie. It's yeah, it's a lot of work. The movies, that's, that's interesting though. You, so you did not write, you didn't become, no, you're not a screenwriter. No, no, you're just not. uh what level of involvement do you have in those? Do you do you uh, review the okay. scripts at all, or do you work I with do. the writers? I don't really work. I do a little bit. Um, what do you want the story of how that started, or just answer that question? No, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yes okay. to everything. We don't have a limit on how long this has okay. to be. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, so that was another God moment. Let me tell you what on on getting started with the movie thing. I there's been you know a lot of of authors that will say that's was always my dream to see my movie or my my book made into a movie. I didn't really have that dream either. I mean, I thought about it. I thought, oh, that would be cool. That'd be nice. But I wasn't like searching for it or or trying to make that happen or sending books out and pitching it. Um, I had almost nothing to do. Well, I really didn't have anything to do with it coming to pass, just like I didn't with the whole publishing thing. So much of it, the Lord has just opened that door and I just was obedient and walked through it. So with the movie thing, I was writing for Summerside Press years ago, a number of years ago. And that was where my first four Westerns took place and, and where I switched from contemporary to historical romance. And Summerside Press was bought by Guideposts. And about that time that they were purchased by Guideposts, uh, this um, American Cinema International was working and collaborating with them on their Love Finds You titles. There was probably 50 some books that were made into books called Love Finds You In. And so mine were Love Finds You in Tombstone, in Last Chance, California, in Bridal Veil, and in Sundance, Wyoming. So the four different titles. They, every book was set in a different state, different city, and the setting was a, a big part of the book, almost a character, where you could truly envision being there after you'd read the book. So this director, not director, I'm sorry, producer and her husband, they're co-producers and they own the company. They had made three, at least three movies, Love Finds You and Charm, Love Finds You and Valentine. And I don't remember the name of the other one. They'd made them and they all aired on the Up, Up TV channel. It's, it's short for uplifting TV, Christian, kind of a Christian channel. At least they started that way. And, um, 
they optioned a number of other ones. And then things kind of started falling apart um, and with, with various things, um, with not with their own company, but they didn't keep going with guideposts, but they wanted to keep making the movies. So I got an email just kind of out of the blue from this producer. And she said, I'm a producer in Hollywood and we optioned one of your books and we uh, would really be interested in talking to you about possibly writing another book for us for a movie. Well, I saw that and I honestly thought it was spam. I, I almost deleted it. And then I thought, well, she's got an actual phone number there. She's got an address. I looked her up on, I mean, I looked up the company online to just make sure they were real. And she said, could you either email me or call me, please? And I thought, well, I'm not going to respond in email. I'm going to call and see what happens and if this is a real person. So I called and sure enough, um, and I had already checked them out online and, and they were a legit company. So we chatted for a little while and she told me that she had read about 35 of the Love Finds You books and that her, um, her favorite that she had read was uh, Love Finds You and Sundance, which has now been retitled Outlaw Angel. And I have the rights back and my publishing house has put all four of those books out. And so she said, that was my favorite one. And I've already had a script written for it. And I've been trying to pitch it and sell it, but no one wants uh, Westerns. They just aren't selling and, and they aren't, and they haven't been for several years. So I'm going to kind of sit on that. And if Westerns come back around, we'll revisit it. But in the meantime, I wanted to see, uh, Up is interested in doing more, but I like your writing so well, and we've kind of lost our, we've lost our options with, um, with guideposts. Uh, we're not doing those anymore. Is this something that you would be able to possibly work with me and work with me on this and be able to, um, to make, maybe make a, a, write another book? And I said, well, sure. So that's what happened. She threw some ideas out to me and uh, I started, I started writing and, and we collaborated and that's how Runaway Romance got started and, and ended up being on TV about three years ago. And then since then, Follow Your Heart and then Finding Love in Bridal Veil, which got retitled Finding Love in Mountain View. Wow. So it's interesting as the publisher of your own books, do you act as your own agent now? Yes. And my own books. Most of my books before I did have an agent and I was with several different, like three or four different large Christian publishing houses. Now I basically don't need an agent because I own the company. And if I write a book, I can publish it. I don't need to go before an acquisitions committee or anything else. We do have an acquisitions committee. We do carefully screen any other book that comes before us, but not with mine. So... <laughs> And you act as your own agent dealing yes, with the Hollywood stuff yes, too. Is that correct? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. tricky stuff. Well, it's really not with this company. It's very straightforward. It's it. We have about a two page contract and it just, um, it just basically says that they're optioning the rights to the book as far as making it into a movie, but I have all publishing rights, paperback books, eback, eBooks, you know, anything has to do with publishing stays with me. and. Uh, says the dollar amount and, and how long the option is for. It's it's very straightforward. And um, I didn't I didn't have a problem dealing with it at all. That is amazing. A two page yeah. contract. <laughs> <laughs> 
wow. Seriously, I know. Yeah. Ours are, I think, eight eight pages for the for a publishing contract. Seven or eight. Which yeah. is a perfect segue because I actually wanted to bring it back to publishing. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, how many uh, how many authors are on your roster? Oh, that's a really great question. Somewhere between forty and probably around forty now, I think. Just right in that neighborhood, forty to forty-two. I don't know exactly. Wow. And what do you look for? Because I know you mentioned a lot of them are are new authors. So what do you look for when you're taking on a new author who's never published anything and is completely unproven? Right. That's a great question. We do have we do have a handful. I would say of that forty or forty-five authors, we probably have twenty percent that were already published somewhere else, and about eighty percent that are debut authors. That we have since gone on and done a, you know, like a three book series or a four book series. And then if they sell well, and if they're, if they're proving themselves on what they're doing with their, with their promotion and that type of thing, then we will, we might do another three or four book series. But initially we're, we're getting a lot pickier. It's, I'm, I'm actually have had to turn away some projects that, I wouldn't have turned away in the earlier years because now we're getting a much higher volume um, of proposals. And so we have to be a lot more selective, even though we what we took in the early days were very, very good, that were very strong. We weren't turning as many away as we are now. So now we're really having to look at platform, which I know every author dreads and hates that word. Uh, and, <laughs> we're introverted yes, what are you thinking we just want to be in our writing cave i'm i'm not an introvert so i have no problem with promotion but a lot of people really do it's very hard for them um, i mean i was in sales and marketing in in advertising newspaper industry that type of thing prior to writing and various other things so oh wow it, it comes naturally to me but i know it doesn't to a lot of people and it's it's very hard so i'm not looking for like they have to have a speaking platform something like that like you would with a nonfiction author and we're not touching at least at this point i'm not going down the nonfiction road at all everything is strictly 100% fiction but we do want to see that they have a newsletter with a, a decent following at least 500 to 1000 people preferably at least 500 that they have social media, uh, at least two different places where they're strong, where they've got a good following, where they're they're really getting their name out there. They don't have to have a blog, but they do need to have a website where people can find them for their newsletter and and be able to sign up for their newsletter. Um, So the, the problem being anymore is if you don't have very much in place uh, you're going to sell to your, you know, your mom, your dad, your cousin, your grandma, and a few friends, and that's going to be it. You've just got to have that following out there to where, and even then, even then, sales are so tough on the first book. I have zero expectations on the first book. I do not even expect to break even on the first book. On the second book, it's a little better. By the third book, we're starting to really see profit. And the first and second book is really starting to sell by the time the third book comes out. If by the third book, we're not seeing really good action and sales, I probably won't do another series um, with with that author. But I also look at how hard they're working, how creative they're being, how innovative they're being, you know, what they're bringing to the table 
with their own personal marketing. And sometimes I will take a chance and go on and do more with that author simply because I believe in them and what they're doing and the amount of work they're putting into it. Yeah. It's amazing how much social media plays into mm-hmm. everything these days. Yes. <laughs> I would be curious too, because, you know, especially like, you know, we're in the middle of a lockdown and bookstores aren't really open. And I always think of um, Christian books, Christian media. I I will say right now, I used to frequent like family Christian bookstores so much in college, but a lot of those places have right. closed. So what what are your avenues for distribution? Because those like niche, yeah. is that how you say it? Niche, mm-hmm. niche, whatever. Those places are. are gone. They really are. And I never tried to get into those anyway, because I don't like the fact that they, they have a 30 day turnaround, but I worked in a Christian bookstore for seven years and I was their salesperson that made the decision on all of the different uh, Christian fiction books, what to carry. And I also made the decision of when they went back. And if a book was not selling within 30 days, if we didn't sell, if we bought four four titles and we didn't sell at least two to three of those titles off the shelf in that first 30 days, then whatever was left went back. And I don't want to have to take a bunch of returns. So if you're in a brick and mortar store, you are going to end up with returns. And I don't have the warehousing ability or the finances to get hit with that. So I didn't want to get into stores. If an author was having a a book signing at a Barnes and Noble and that Barnes and Noble said, Hey, I'd like to stock, you know, a half a dozen of your books. Great. They can order them through Ingram Spring Arbor. Uh, And that's basically what we do. Our books are available in print anywhere online or at, if you walked into a Borders or of course Borders doesn't exist anymore, Barnes and Noble or any, or even just a non-Christian store that is a, just a bookstore and you walked in and you said, I'd like to look up what um, Heather Fitzgerald has. I'd like to look up what Linda Thompson has, a couple of the authors that you've done that are our narration for. Or you'd like to look up something for Merrily Farrell. What do you have? Well, we don't have anything on on the shelf, but we could order any of those. So any brick and mortar store can order any of my books or any of my author's books. And if it's requested enough, so can libraries. Um, then, you know, they're going to carry them. If they have someone come in asking for them, chances are they'll carry them. But the, the majority of our sales are not even print books, they're ebooks. I would say 85% at least of our sales are ebooks. So then you're looking at um, whether it's Amazon or ChristianBook.com or BarnesandNoble.com, you know, all the different uh, avenues for, uh, for your ebooks. That's where, and that's where the majority of the sales are coming now. Cool. Uh, You've kind of been answering all my questions that I had thought of (laughs) as we go. So the only the only thing I can think of at this point is, um, with everything you've done already, do you have aspirations to do anything different or new going forward? Well, what generally has happened in in my life with publishing has been every single time I have said I will never, I end up doing it. (laughs) So uh, what? Oh yeah, I know how that is. Yeah, the opposite. Instead of aspirations, I'm kind of trying to not say I will never. I started out by saying I will never write romance. Never. I I had planned on women's contemporary fiction. Famous last words. Women's contemporary fiction. Period. (laughs) That was what it was going to be. And so I I ended up getting signed by Love Finds You. You know, for four books, and uh, and they were all supposed to be contemporary. And I was kind of like, well, I'll just stick with contemporary. Okay, I can write a romance. 
And the very first book, and I had said, but I'm not going to write historical. I just, I just, even though I love reading it, I couldn't imagine doing the research for it. And the very first book was set in Last Chance, California. And the, uh, I started writing it. I had four or five chapters written as a contemporary. And then I'm like, you know, I really need to research this town and see exactly what it's like and probably fly down there. And so we actually did fly down there. And guess what? It's, there's nothing there at all. The Tevis Cup runs through it. The um, big horse endurance uh, race runs through where it used to be up in the mountains um, and of California. And, uh, so I called my editor and I said, ah, the town hasn't existed since like the 1940s. And it was a booming silver and gold mining town in the 1800s. What do I do? And she said, well, you can just change it to a historical, can't you? I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. And so then all the rest of them were historical. And so then my next thing I will never do is I'll never write for kids. Well, the Lord had other ideas, and that's another story on how that happened, but I ended up with the kids' horse books, and I absolutely love them and love writing them, and the kids eat them up. So I, I didn't say I will never write for a movie producer, but the Lord just opened that door. And right now I'm like, I, I never planned on starting a spec fiction line, but I never planned on being a publisher. I mean, I really did not. Even when I took my first couple of author friends to just help them out, I still didn't plan on having a publishing house. I didn't plan on going to conferences as an acquisition editor. I didn't plan on any of this. And it has grown and grown and grown. My husband has said before, if you'd had any idea how much time all of this was going to take, would you still have done it? And I said, yes, because I absolutely love it. If I didn't love it, then it would be a hardship and it would be a pain. But I love it. I love dealing with my authors. I love bringing new books to light. I, I like bringing other people's books out and helping with, I don't create the covers, but I, I have a lot of input on the design and, and what's done with the covers. We have an amazing, amazing cover artist. And, uh, and I, I just, I like the whole process, every bit of it. I like teaching the authors. And we have a publicist and she does, she takes care of that, even though I did the first year. Uh, and, but I still, I just enjoy the hands-on with, with the entire process. It's just such a joy. So I don't know what comes next. I really don't. I, in the future, what I foresee, honestly, is maybe five or 10 years down the road is uh, if a larger company were to come along and make me a, an attractive offer on buying the company, I would do it with only, I would only do it if one condition was met. And that would be, I get to stay on as lead acquisitions editor and the liaison working with the authors so that that didn't change for my authors. And I still kept my hands in. And uh, that's something that I could see down the future, because honestly, I can't see working until I'm 90 years old. <laughs> Not at this pace. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you're doing really well right now. So Miralee, if people want to find you online, where can they find you? MiraleeFarrell.com. 
And then um, I'm not active on Twitter. I've kind of pulled back from that. But if they go to Facebook, it's Merrily Feral Author. There's an author group. So same with um, Instagram. It's Merrily Feral Author. Uh, so I do have a, a, a fan group, an author group, author chat group. Uh, I would prefer people join my actual author groups rather than friend me personally on on Facebook uh, because I do all of my author stuff in that in that group. So those are the primary places is Instagram and Facebook and then my author group and then of course Mountain Brook Inc. And if someone wants to shoot us a proposal with a story idea, they basically need to go to mountainbrookinc.com or fire.mountainbrookinc if it's speculative fiction.com. And uh, read the guidelines, find out what it is that we require as far as a proposal and submission and a query letter. Do it right, because if you just send me an email and say, hey, I'd like to send you a book, I'm going to say, hey, go through the, the guidelines. <laughs> uh, because otherwise, uh, most publishers won't even respond to something like that. They just hit delete. We do respond, and we do give reasons for rejections. We don't just send you a, sorry, this doesn't work for us. We, we give actual reasons. And I, I really like working with people and trying to help them um, get better and maybe try to find a home for it down the road somewhere else if it doesn't work for us. That's awesome. And of course, you've got your Hallmark movie coming out yes. next year. So you guys better check that yes. out as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Marilee. This well, has been amazing. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. <laughs>